Amen. Amen. All right. So as we start this morning, looking at this little fragment of a verse, I want to look at its context again, because if we're going to understand this little scripture, the way that the Corinthians understood it and the way that Paul intended them to understand it, we're going to have to understand it in its context. You remember the rule of context? Context rules, right. So, um, so we're going to need to understand it in its context. And as we study this whole book, we learn more of what was going on in the Corinthian church. We discover that there was a lot of dishonor going on among them. They weren't showing the kind of honor to each other that God wanted them to show. Now, we've already kind of detailed in this series how um, they were dishonoring each other in a number of ways. They were arguing with each other about teachers and, and taking each other to court and causing weaker brothers to stumble, and they were forming cliques around the Lord's Supper. So we're not going to go deep into those right now, but there, there's something that I want you to see that was going on among them that we really haven't yet looked at in this series yet. And it happens in chapters 12 and 14. This picture emerges that shows them dishonoring other people right during the worship services. It seems that they they valued one spiritual gift over another, and so they were honoring one person over another. And Paul needed to give them this teaching in chapter 12 about how they are all part of the body of Christ, all part of the one body, united by one Savior. And they all all have gifts that were given by the one Holy Spirit. And so each part of the body was as important as every other part of the body. And so that meant that we should not dishonor anyone. But they were dishonoring others during worship. In chapter 14, Paul actually had to tell them that only one person should talk at a time. And it looked like there would be one person teaching and over here, and then another person over here would, would stand up and, and maybe he disagreed or something, and so he would start teaching some people over here, and then another person over here would get up and say, I've got a word from the Lord, and now you've got one, two, three, and four, five people going on trying to get everybody's attention. In doing that, they're basically standing up saying, don't listen to that guy, listen to me. Right? Don't listen to that guy, listen to me, don't listen to them. And, and so they're dishonoring each other in worship, and Paul had to tell them uh, that, you know, you can only have one person talking at a time. Uh, And so, this is what Paul has in mind when we come to this love chapter. If you're going to follow the most excellent way, if you're going to follow the way of love, if you're going to do church right and do life right, then we're going to need to learn how to honor other people and how to honor God. So the rest of the time that we have together, we're going to look at what it means to dishonor somebody and dishonor God and what it means to honor others. What does the Bible have to teach us about honor and about dishonor? Now, of course, we won't be able to say everything there is to say this morning about honor and dishonor, but I want to give you just four big ideas from the Scripture for you to kind of take away and uh, digest this morning, all right? Four big ideas. And the first is this. Honor originates with God. Honor begins with God. It was his idea. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 for a moment, verses 6 to 8. Here the writer's quoting a passage from Psalm 8, and he says this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under 
their feet. You crowned them with glory and honor. God has shown us honor. God has shown you honor. He's honored us in so many great, amazing, and awesome ways. Think of all the ways that God has honored us. He honored us by creating us in his own image. Aren't you glad you don't look like a platypus? Now, I'm not saying that God's physical form resembles us exactly. You know, Some of that has to do with being body and mind and spirit and all of those types of things. But, boy, I'm glad we don't look like a platypus or something like that, right? We look just how he wanted us to look, however that is. And he honored us by giving us the institution of marriage and the family and, and children. He honored us with children. And then um, when humanity fell away from him into sin, he honored us by sending his one and only son to be among us. Jesus honored us by leaving the glories of heaven and becoming one of us and walking these dusty, same dusty roads that we walk. He honored us by being with us, by putting up with us, by, by, by teaching us and healing us. Listen, do you think it was a great honor for Jesus to come here? I mean, to become one of us? I mean, that'd be like us saying it's such a great honor to be, become a worm. You know, or, or something like that. I mean, Jesus walked on streets of gold, never got his feet dirty, and everybody did everything he said all the time, right, without, without any hesitation. And he honored us by becoming one of us. And then he honored us by dying on the cross for us, by becoming a sin offering for us. He honored us by standing before the Heavenly Father as our representative, bringing peace bringing atonement between the Heavenly Father and all of humanity. God has honored us. He's honored us with his very great and precious promises. It would have been enough if he had ended with the cross and with the resurrection and said, okay, that's good enough. And, uh, but yet he went on to say, I'm leaving you my very great and precious promises. And to say things like, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you, and then to go on and say, one day I am coming back to receive you to myself so that you can be with me where I am forever. God has honored us. Honor originates with God. And then the second big idea I want you to get this morning is this. We should honor God. Now that just kind of follows, doesn't it? We should honor God. Psalm 22 Verse 23 says this, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. So what does it mean to honor God? How do we honor God? How do we put hands and feet on that? Well, let's start right with this verse, and then we'll just go out to a few other verses as well. It says, revere him, fear him, honor him, hold him, in high esteem. That means make him the most important in your life. That means seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. That means trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It means love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. It means do everything for the glory of God. It means present your bodies as living sacrifices to him because this is your reasonable act of worship. And this is only the beginning of what it means to honor God. 
It's only reasonable that we should honor God in all of these ways when we consider how God has poured out so much undeserved honor on us. We should honor God in our decisions, in our actions, in our motivations, in our thoughts, in our words, in everything. We should honor God. Honor originates with and flows from God. Then secondly, God wants us to honor him. And then third big idea is this. Here's the third big idea to take away with you this morning. Love does not dishonor others, so we should honor people. We should honor people. The Corinthian believers were dishonoring other people, and it was killing love. It it was busting up love. The love that should have been evident among them. God wants us to treat other people with honor and respect. We should honor people. Now, how many of you, I mean, just like patience and kindness, find it easier to honor God than to honor people? All right, now sometimes it can be difficult sometimes, but, uh, uh, you know, God has not done anything wrong to you, right? Uh, God is a perfect being. He's never done anything wrong. He's never done you any wrong. But people, well, now that's a different story, isn't it? People have faults. People do stuff that's wrong. To you, of all people. So sometimes when you're dealing with somebody with faults and somebody who's done stuff wrong and maybe has done stuff wrong to you, it can be a little bit more difficult to honor people. And someone might ask, you know, well, Pastor, which people should we honor? Do we got to honor everybody? You know, who, who does the Bible say we should honor? Well, I'm glad you asked that. All right, let's look at it. Who does God want us to honor? Well, first, the very first people in the Bible that the Bible tells us that we should honor is our parents. And and that only makes sense, right, because the very first people that we encounter when we come into this world are our parents usually, and and God wants us to honor them. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then this command is repeated in the New Testament as well. And and that should tell us something, shouldn't it? I mean, think about it. As soon as you open your eyes for the very first time, God is saying, you see those people? Honor them. From the moment you open your eyes, God's command is honor people. So God says we should honor our parents. Now, you might not agree with it. Now, most of our kids, I think, are off in the uh, um, upstairs or downstairs right now. Uh, Maybe some of our teenagers are here a little bit. God says, if you're a teenager here, um, you should honor your parents. Now, some of you might want to get the recording of this part and play it for your kids or grandkids when you get home, right? But uh, he says you should honor your parents. You might not agree with it. You might think it's unfair, but God wants you to honor them. And parents, God expects you to teach your children to honor you and to respect you. Because when you teach them to honor and respect you, it's not just about making your life easier. It's not just about making your life uh, uh, happier. It's about helping them become the kind of people that God wants them to be. Because if they won't honor you in your home, it's not likely that they're going to honor anyone else outside your home. 
It's not likely they'll be able to honor any other authority, uh, their bosses, their teachers, or, who, or other people they come in contact with. So when you teach them to honor you, uh, you're doing them a favor and you're doing the world a favor. You know, when our, our girls were little, you know, in the, in the three and four year, year age, uh, um, they'd be doing something and maybe they're disobeying or something and, and we'd ask them, we'd say, you know, what does the Bible say? And usually they'd stop and maybe start crying. The Bible says honor your parents. Ah. You know, and uh, I, I think that at that age they thought the entirety of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation was honor your parents, right? And eventually they learned the rest of it as well, right? Honor your parents. And then secondly, the Bible says that God wants us to honor our authorities. God places authorities in our life. And now this one some people have difficulty with. But God wants us to honor authorities. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. This can help us here. There's several verses here in 1 Peter chapter 2 that can help us with this. And starting in verse 13, it says this. Peter said, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Peter. How can you say that we should honor the emperor? He's a vile, vicious dictator. He's not an honorable person. He has people killed on a whim. How can you say that we should honor his government? And they're oppressing people all over the world. And you know, a lot of people have difficulty with this. I have difficulty with this sometimes. Because after all, we live in a free country, right? I mean, we have freedom of speech, right? Freedom to challenge our government and governments don't always do what is right. Isn't it our responsibility under our form of government to, to, to hold government officials accountable and to exercise our free speech to promote what is good and right and wholesome? Isn't all that true? And, and the answer is yes, all that is true. I believe all that is true. God has graced us with this form of government that we have, and I believe all of that is true. So what does it mean then to do all of that stuff and still honor those in authority? Well, let me help us here by first saying that what honoring authority does not mean. Because sometimes we struggle. We think that to honor them means all this stuff and agreeing with and validating everything that we see, and it really doesn't. Honoring authority does not mean that we agree with everything that our authority says or does. It doesn't mean that we support everything that they do. It doesn't mean that we ignore it when an official abuses their office or acts in reprehensible ways. It doesn't mean that authorities are perfect and without faults. Sometimes authorities get it wrong. If you're young, sometimes your parents will get it wrong. Sometimes your boss will get it wrong. If you're the boss, sometimes you'll get it wrong. Showing honor to an authority does not mean that they've always earned it or that we always feel like giving it. It does mean that when we speak and act, that we make a deliberate decision to maintain and express as much honor and respect as is possible. And look what happens when we treat people with honor. Look what God wants to happen. It's in the next verses, he says, uh, first he says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. God gets something out of it. God is honored as well. When you honor 
a, a human authority, God gets something out of it. Treating human authorities with honor brings glory to God. So and then let me show you how. Going on in this same passage, Peter continues, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Let me say that again. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Man, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but in our culture, um, it seems to me that often in, in, in media, uh, television, movies, um, news media, and leaders in our culture, uh, Christians are often portrayed as mean-spirited, uh, hard-hearted, self-righteous, nasty, worthless people by those who don't love the Bible. Am I the only one who's ever noticed this? I'm not saying everyone does it all the time, but it seems like increasingly I'm seeing that in all sorts of movies and TVs and, um, and news and, and that type of thing. And, uh, and, you know, people who don't know Christians, they haven't rubbed shoulders with you and maybe they haven't had a lot of Christians in their lives, they hear that and sometimes they get the idea, well, well yeah, that's who Christians are because they'll take some marginal thing and put it on the TV and on the news, you know, and think, oh, that's who Christians are en masse, you know, and so... Uh, but then they run into someone like you, who's not like that, you know, and they find you in a, in a difficult situation, in a, in, a, in, a, in a trying situation, and here you, instead of being all that, what they've seen, you, you show honor, you show respect, and you are nothing like what they've been shown that, that Christians are, that people who love the Bible are, you know, and what's happening there, and, and someone says, you know, well, man, this person isn't like what, what I've been told. And they begin to question that. And what's happening? As you honor people, you are silencing the ignorant talk of foolish men. That's stuff that you see. That's foolishness. That's stuff that how they portray Christians. That's foolishness. I mean, I know all of you. I've never seen any of you act that way. All right? I hope you've never seen me act that way. And, and all the churches I've been in, the way they portray Christians, I've never met anyone or hardly anyone, one in a thousand, who acts that way. Right? Silence the ignorant talk of foolish men by showing honor. Honor your parents, honor authorities, and then honor everyone. After Peter said that, that we should honor the emperor, he went on to say this just a few verses later. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. So it's not just parents. Right? It's not just your bosses and authorities and, and, and government officials. We should show honor to everyone. We should be honor givers. We should give as much honor as we can. If we're going to reflect his image with ever-increasing glory, we need to honor people. And then the fourth big idea is this. Your last big idea is this. Sometimes, sometimes life forces you to choose between honoring God and honoring people. Sometimes in spite of your best efforts and your best behavior, life forces you into a situation where you must choose who you will honor. Now, this is something that you should not take lightly. Right? This is not something that um, should be an everyday and occurrence in your life, I don't think. Now, I've, I've met people who were kind of like that. I remember some years ago, even decades ago, meeting someone who it seemed like every single week he said he was having this type of um, 
situation with his boss, you, you know, and uh, as he'd share about it and people would listen, we're thinking, you know what, this seems like this guy's just a difficult person to, to, to you know, wanted his own way. And turning everything into a I must obey God type of thing when, when it really wasn't, okay? And so God doesn't want us to take those things and use this type of thing as an excuse just to be, you know, ornery or nasty or just to get our way. But there are times, you know, when you get put in a situation where you're forced to choose between honoring God and honoring people. And there was an incident in the life of Daniel that illustrates this. By this time in his life, he was an older man and he was a very high-ranking official in the government of King Darius. And some of the other officials were jealous of him because the king was about to make Daniel the number two leader in the entire kingdom. And they were jealous of him. And so they tried to find a way of accusing him. And they looked at all sorts of things that he had done. And, but he was, Daniel was just so clean and so ethical that they couldn't find any way of accusing him until finally they said, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry, before that, uh, um, they said, we are not going to find any reason to accuse this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so they devised this plot. They went to the king and said, you know what, king? It would be a great idea if you made a new law that said um, nobody can pray to any other God or man for 30 days or they'll be thrown to the lions. And so they're using flattery. Hey, you know, no one, you're, you're so great and awesome. No one should pray to anybody else but you, or they'll be thrown uh, to the lions. Now, Daniel was faced with a dilemma. Now, he was faced with this choice, because the thing thought that was a great idea. And so he passed this law. And so Daniel's faced with this choice and this dilemma. He had served all these kings for all of his life. He had been upright before them and sought their good. Uh, and he had also served his God. But now, all of a sudden, he's in a place where there's no wiggle room. There's no out of this. It's either honor God or honor, honor men. You know, every once in a while, you might get put in that type of situation where it's honor God or honor men. And, and this is serious stuff because we're not talking about him just losing a job or getting a demotion here. We're talking about him being eaten alive by hungry lions. And we come to verse 10 and it says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Wow. That is awesome. That is impressive. You know, I don't think a lot of people would have criticized him if he had just said, you know what, I'm just going to take a 30-day hiatus from praying. You know, I bet you a lot of... Uh, uh, children of Israel during that time took a 30-day hiatus from praying and then got back to it afterwards. I don't think anyone would have really criticized him if he had said, you know what, I'm going to shut my windows for 30 days and keep praying. I bet you that's what a lot of uh, godly Israelites did during that time. You know, I don't think anyone would have criticized him for that. But not Daniel. He opened those windows just like he had done before, and he got down on his knees and honored God and prayed three times a day, the same way he had done for decades. And wouldn't you know it, those jealous people had just happened to be going by right outside the window. I mean, I think if it had happened today, they'd have been there with their camera and had that out, and uh, it would have been going viral on Instagram 
and on Twitter in no time, and the news media would have been at the king's palace with a mic in the king's face asking him for a comment about it before Daniel had even finished praying. But no matter. The lack of video evidence was no worry because Daniel wasn't hiding it. He wasn't denying it. He was guilty as charged. He prayed. And, and the king, now for his part, the king really didn't want to throw Daniel in the lion's den and tried to rescue him. But for some reason, they had this kind of silly law among the Medes and Persians that any decree that the king passed could not be changed. And so the king, having been manipulated, he re reluctantly issued the order to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den. But the king, he had a little hope. As Daniel's being thrown in, he says this, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Yeah, amen. That's easy for him to say, though, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you're the one about to fall over and someone say, Oh, don't worry, God will take care of you. That's easy for him to say. You know, there's sometimes when you choose to honor God, when it may feel like you're being thrown to the lions. You know, and you feel like, you know, God, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong towards, um, towards, uh, towards these people or towards this company or anything like that or to whatever the situation is or towards the government. And uh, uh, I haven't done anything wrong at all. I've been upstanding and upright. But now they're forcing me into a situation where I have to choose between dishonoring them and you. And you may feel like you're being thrown to the lions. Sometimes that happens. But God did something miraculous. It says they sealed the lion's den with a stone, and then they waited all night long. And it says that God shut the mouths of the lions. He sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. All night long, those hungry lions stayed away from Daniel. Now, I don't know if God made them blind for a night, or maybe God turned them vegan for a night, or, you know... I don't know if God gave them the spirit of a fuzzy kitty cat and they went up and just purred and snuggled him all night long. I mean, I mean, it says the angel shut the lion's mouth. I don't know if that's literal, like a literal angel came and just kind of like took the lion around the, and shut his mouth, uh, or if that's metaphorical. I don't know, but however God did it, he shut the mouths of these hungry lions and they didn't eat Daniel. And come the morning, it says that the king came near the den and he called out to Daniel in an angry voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And we come to verse 21, and it says this, Daniel answered. Oh, hallelujah. There are times in the Bible where just like two words are awesome, aren't they? Daniel answered. My friend, when you trust God, when you choose to honor God in a difficult situation, and they ask you when it's all over, hey, what happened? Was God able to deliver you? Can I tell you, friend, you're going to come out on the other side saying, yes, God was able to deliver me. God was faithful to me. When you honor God above everything else, when you decide, you know what, whatever else happens, whether in this life or in the next, we're going to honor God. I'm going to honor God eventually you're going to answer, yes, God was faithful to me. God delivered me. But here's what I really want you to see. It says, Daniel answered. How did he answer? What did he sound like when he answered? You know, I think I can tell you what I would have sounded like, or at least how I would have been tempted to sound. You know, if that were me coming out of that den, you know, I think I probably would have been tempted to sound something like this. 
King, what is wrong with you? Am I alive? Yeah, I'm alive. No thanks to you. I mean, here I serve you blamelessly all these years, and, uh, and uh, I serve my God as well, and there's no conflict, there's no problem. And, and, and then these guys come to you with this idea, hey, king, why don't you make this law that says, you know, uh, no one can pray to anyone but you for 30 days, or they'll be thrown in a lion's den. And do you stop for just a minute to think, you know what? Daniel's my closest, most trusted advisor. Maybe I should ask him how he thinks. No. You know, or, or do you stop to think, you know, Daniel, doesn't he pray like three times a day? You know, I wonder how he would feel. Like, do you stop to think for just a moment how he would feel? No, you know, they, but uh, they come to you and say that you can't see through that. You know, King, and, uh, um, and not only that, when you find out that it's going to cost me my life, that keeping that silly little law is more important to you than my very life. So, um, uh, yeah, God save me, but pardon me if I feel a little underappreciated right now. I think that's how I would have been tempted to answer. I'd be like, you know, God, yeah, God saved me from the lions. How about you spend a night with the lions now and see if God saves you? All right? I mean, that's how I, my carnal flesh might be tempted to right, answer, right? And uh, I know probably some of you, you might feel the same way, right? I mean, that's the, that's, that's the flesh talking, right? That's, uh, but look what Dan- Daniel said. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. The first thing he says is filled with honor. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong to you, your majesty. Not a word of contempt, not a word of dishonor, not a hint of anger, not even an angry word for those people who manipulated the king, causing him to need to be thrown into the lion's den. And you learn something from this. The ability to show honor to people, especially when you've been wronged, comes from the confidence of knowing that God has you in the palm of his hand and no one can pluck you out of it. There's no danger, no sword, no trial, no tribulation that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when you know that down deep in your heart, when you have that settled down deep in your heart, it releases you. It releases you to show honor to people because God has already crowned you with glory and honor. And so therefore, when you show honor to somebody, you don't lose anything. You know, when we're not trusting God, when our, when, when our trust is kind of in all the things of this world, then we can feel like, you know, if I start showing honor here, you're losing something, you're giving something away. But when you realize you have the treasures of heaven laid up for you, that God wants you to be a co-heir with Jesus for all eternity, what can anybody take away from you? And so it frees you up then to honor other people. Honor originates and flows from God. God wants us to honor him. God wants us to honor people. Sometimes life forces us to choose between honoring God and honoring people. But even then, when you realize your position in God, you're still able to give as much honor as is humanly possible by the grace of God. 
So as we get ready to conclude this morning, I kind of want to leave you with this one thought. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. And this is right in the book that we've been studying in this series. It's right, right near that love chapter. It's right near this admonition that love does not dishonor others. And he says this, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If, but if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You cannot hurt one part of the body without hurting the whole body, any more than you could smash your finger with uh, a hammer and not hurt the rest of your body. And in the same way, when you honor and bless one part of the body, you are honoring and blessing the entire body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about building things up. Honor is about loving God and loving people. So would you all bow your heads with me for just a moment? And I want to ask us, just like in this series, we've been just taking some time at the end of every message to let God speak to our hearts for just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. And I want to ask you to just consider for a minute, kind of ask God, you know, God, have I been honoring you the way that I should? Is there any place in my life where, where I have not been honoring you? Or do I need to change something in my life to honor you more? Would you just take a few minutes now and let the Holy Spirit just speak to you in the quietness of your heart and, and, and encourage you and challenge you? In Jesus' name.